Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode number 191 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, life coach, recovering alcoholic, and entrepreneur. If you like any or all of those things, you are in the right place. This is such an exciting time of year, my friends. The holidays are in full swing. I've already been doing some fun things with my family. I took my niece on a holiday lights tour the other day. And next week, we're going to go on a carriage ride in these beautiful horse-drawn carriages. They're so gorgeous. They're all lit up. She's super excited. She's obsessed with horses. She's obsessed with animals in general. But that's going to be next week. And one of my favorite things about the holiday season is my gift guide for sober people. This is the second year I've done a gift guide and I put a lot of energy into finding extraordinary gifts to put on my list. And this year, there are even more fabulous items on the list than last year. And because giving is my love language, I did a few extra gift guides just for you. Now, listen, I've gifts on the list that appeal to the sober part of our souls for sure. A sober AF coffee mug and some amazing sweatshirts and tees. But not everything on this list screams I'm sober from the rooftops. There are a ton of items on the list that are creative and thoughtful gifts for anybody. If you're like me and you want to scream it from the rooftops, I've got gifts for you. If you're a 12-stepper, I've got gifts for that too. And if you're a little more low-key and like to be discreet, I didn't forget about you. There are gifts on this list that are great for anyone. I have light-up friendship lamps. I have a whole gift guide for your favorite beauty lover that's all of my favorite skincare and beauty products. I have a gift guide for the homebody because some of us love a quiet evening at home. I also have a gift guide of lifestyle gifts and a whole other guide full of amazing recovery apparel. There's jewelry and tees and sweatshirts, lamps, mirrors, and so much more. You know I will link it in the show notes. It's at myrecoverytoolbox.com forward slash blog. It's the first post on the blog. You know, I'll be posting on social media too, of course, so you'll be able to find it there, but it's at myrecoverytoolbox.com. Click on blog. It's the first post. And also you guys share the gift guide with anyone you think will be interested. Your friends, your sober friends, your sponsors, your family, share it all over the place. Myrecoverytoolbox.com. Click on blog and it is right there. I'm so excited to hear what you guys think about it. I've already been posting it in the Facebook group and everybody's been super excited about it there. So yes, you guys, like four, five, did I say five? There might be five total (laughs) gift guides just for you guys and I hope you love them. 
Now, 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 my friends, let's jump into today's episode with ultra runner Henry Ward. Okay, you guys, we talk a lot about different things we can do in our sober lives and how we can fill our time because one of the things people don't talk about with getting sober is when you quit drinking or doing drugs, like all of a sudden it leaves all these hours that you have to fill all this time that we used to be partying, whether it was with friends or at the bar or at home alone, whatever your situation was all these hours that we didn't have to worry about because we were just getting effed up. Well, now all those hours are kind of empty and We hear great stories on the podcast all the time of different ways that people start to fill that time and cope guest is no different. He's an ultra runner and I'm going to let him explain more about that. But for those of you that don't know what an ultra runner is, that's somebody that runs a really long way. (laughs) So let's welcome Henry Ward to the show. Henry, thank you so much for coming on and doing this episode with me. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And thank you for me allowing to share my story of of hope. My name is Henry Ward. I'm an alcoholic and addict. Today, November 17th, I celebrate 13 years of sobriety. So hard work pays off. It wasn't always pretty um, and neither is running. So ultra running is uh, anything more than the traditional 26.2 miles of a marathon. So if you do 26.3, technically it's an ultra marathon. So nothing in moderation for the alcoholic and addicts. Um, I started running in May of 2013, you know, started, I went for treatment in Arizona in 2008 and I was doing well, moved back to Boston, Massachusetts, where I grew up and my friends had, some of them were still doing the same things. Uh, Some of them moved away. Some of them had kids that were a little bit older and I kind of found myself not running with the the same crowd I used to. and I had no hobbies. So after a couple of years of living there, I started getting a little bit squirrely. I wasn't going to meetings or anything like that. And then I knew I had to do something. So I started walking the distance, you know, two miles, four miles with my son that was born. And, um, and then in May of 2013, I found this, this running thing, this running journey, which changed me. It's so great that you pointed that out, that it's considered anything more than a marathon, because I didn't know that. I thought it was like 50 miles or more, a hundred miles or more. Yeah. You know, typically it's a 50 K and up, right. That's pretty much like the standard distance as far as races, but I've done, I, I jumped right up to, I think the first one, it was like 54 miles and did a few in that range. And then, you know, why would anybody want, why would anybody want to do that in the first place was a question. And like me, you know, this addict, <laughs> this alcoholic, you know, what's next? You know, I, I always say there's like no finish line, but I also believe that, um, you know, we need to push ourselves. We only get one chance of this life. We must, we must push ourselves to see what we're, we're capable of be the best version of ourselves. And running kind of helps me be the best version of myself. You know, there's a lot of self-discovery out on the trail or the roads by pushing ourselves. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a direct correlation between running, uh, life recovery, ultra running, you know, if we're willing to just kind of take the next step forward, eventually we'll get closer to where we need to get, you know, or it does get easier. If we have faith that will get easier, even though we hit these, these rough patches, right. Yeah. But if we have faith, we can get over those little bumps. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned on your website that 
when you got sober, there was still a hole that needed to be filled. And this caught my attention because you hear this a lot in 12 step rooms too. And we talk about the hole, you know, we have this hole and we're always trying to fill it with different things. And you said that you became somewhat of a dry drunk. And I'd love for you to spend a few minutes talking about that. Like, what did that look like for you? And maybe even an explanation of dry drunk for our listeners that don't know what that means, but I'd love to hear what your experience was with that. So I was, you know, I have a lot of energy, you know, positive or negative. I choose it's inside of me and I need to get it out. I really didn't have any hobbies. And, you know, I would, I'd wake up at five in the morning, six in the morning, the house would be clean. All my errands would be done, you know, and like wake my wife up, like, let's go for breakfast. (laughs) Who the hell goes for breakfast at six or seven in the morning? Like (laughs) I'm off. I want to do something. I don't know what I want to do. I, you know, I have this energy. I got to do something. And, um, I don't know. I just kind of erotic. I had, you know, well, maybe I'll try rollerblading. I used to like to do that a lot. No, I've done that too much. I'll do mountain biking. No, I did that before. And I'm, I'm bored with that in the gym. And I just really had, I, I needed to find something, something different. So I tell people maybe running's not for you, uh, you know, but I commend you if knitting works for you or checkers or my wife started doing, um, she's making glass jewelry. She kind of found a passion in that. I, I believe you need to keep busy. I believe you need to find a hobby. You need something, you need some sort of outlet to take your mind off stuff, you know, walking definitely helps, but I needed more. Um, I had gone to therapy in Arizona. I was very confused in my sobriety, early on in my sobriety, I ended up getting separated from my wife. Um, she separated from me. I was given an ultimatum and she gave me some tough love. And I didn't really understand that you were separated. She was living in an apartment, I was living in a house, but we were together all the time. Long story this short, it screwed me up. I'm dealing with all these raw emotions, you know, new into the sobriety thing. And going to the therapist and he kept telling, he finally figured out, I, I, I know, I know what you are and I know what's missing. I know what that void is. I know what you have to do. Said, what is it, man? You know, after like five visits, you're an adrenaline junkie. You're an adrenaline junkie. You have all this energy. Listen to the way you talk. You know, kind of like I'm talking like this. You have this passion. You have this stuff inside of you. You got to figure out how to get it out. So he recommended doing some of the things that I used to like doing, like the rollerblading and the mountain biking and going to the gym and you know, I just didn't really, that didn't really light my fire uh, anymore. So I'm like, I'll find it. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And then I found, um, I found that, uh, after the marathon bombing, living in Boston that I wanted to run, I said, I'm going to unite with these runners and, and we're going to fight, you know, this, this internal terrorism and stuff united we stand. And, uh, I thought about, it. I ran a few times and I hated it. I was completely winded, completely gassed. And then, so as the story goes, how I found writing, speeding up, speeding up to early May, we we're going to visit our friends in Corning, New York, like Corning Glass. And my friend had quit smoking and lost a lot of weight. And he had run the Disney half and the, and the wine glass half marathon. And I knew he ran. And I asked him, you know, this, this is a glass fest Memorial Day weekend. I noticed there's an 8K race. And he said, yeah. I said, are you running? He said, uh, I'll run if you do. I'm like, sign me up. I need something to do. I need, you know, I'm looking for something. I've been thinking about running for a while. And so I trained pushing my son, Sebastian. He was two at the time, I guess, um, in his stroller. And I trained twice. And like, I ran four miles and two and a half miles. I guess I'm ready. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, signed up for it. I don't even know how far AK was. And, you know, I was kind of hooked in that adrenaline, the starting line. And, and then, you know, the gun goes off and you start running. And then I was quickly humbled after about a, a half mile. I was stuck. I'm tired already. People kept passing me. And, you know, I thought I found something that I really enjoyed. And I really had a 
hard time, you know, pacing myself being new to this running thing. And every time someone passed, I was just more and more upset. But when I realized I saw my wife and our friend and their daughters in the finish line, when I finished, it was like, like I won like a gold medal in the Olympics. It was one of the great, this is the greatest day in my life besides, you know, my son being bored, getting married and, you know, being sober. So it's top five. And, you know, I got a glass medallion, a, a banana, a water, some gummies and, you know, juice box or whatever, but I felt like a million dollars. I was really proud of myself for not quitting. And I'm like, I can do this. So I was kind of, um, for a little while, I was addicted to, to the racing, to the race atmosphere, um, you know, running really fast, getting to the finish line. I didn't really, not that I didn't care about the medal or the reward or anything like that. I, I was kind of addicted to the feeling that running gave me. And um, yeah, I was kind of hooked on the racing thing. Every weekend I wanted to do a 5k. Hey, there's a 5k that's 25 miles away. Can I run? Like, no, because it takes up the whole Saturday. You're junk afterwards. You drive there. You spend all the time there. And, you know, it's interfering with family time. So uh, I was left to kind of pick and choose my battles and not do every race that I wanted to and stopped obsessing over it. Um, and uh, but, you know, and once I saw like a significant um, decrease in my times and things got easier, the training got easier. I started enjoying it more. And then I signed up for the Boston half marathon and then like the four month, fourth month of, of running. And then. 11 months later, I was running the Dick Sporting Goods Pittsburgh Marathon, did the full marathon. Um, nice. And then, yeah, then I found out about this whole ultra marathon thing. So when you, when you recognized like what you call dry drunk, like what were your behaviors that were coming out? So I like literally, um, I'm not literally climbing up, up the walls, whatever, but I was driving my wife nuts, you know, go, go find something to do. I'm like, ah, I have nothing to do. And like, I don't feel like reading. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like looking at the internet. I just couldn't keep busy anymore. And, and, you know, just, I got like a million different, I got 200 songs going at once in my head, you know, just the monkey, I got a monkey brain that's just, you know, constantly going and, and just, ah, I gotta do something. And, you know, I was drinking a lot of coffee back then too. And, and, you know, that doesn't help with that. Um, but yeah, I had all, and I just, I don't know. I was kind of, I started to become miserable too. Well, that's you know, what I, I was going to ask. That's what I was going to ask is like, how was your recovery at that time? Like, were you still comfortable as a sober person, happy with that choice, wanting to continue a sober life, or were you getting unhappy and uncomfortable? I was a hundred percent happy with my sobriety, just that, um, you know, it was kind of like, it's, I was happy with my sobriety, but it was like, is that, is this it? Mm -hmm. Is this it with my mm -hmm. life? It's great that I have a, you know, a little kid here. I love my wife. I love my son. I love my family. I love my friends. I love to eat. There's certain things I love, but you know, am I ever going to find, you know, a passion? Am I ever going to find a, a hobby? Am I just old? Is this what it's like getting old? You know, um, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't know if that was it, you know, if I was ever yeah. going to kind of just, and I kind of didn't really have much of an identity either before my identity was like a barfly, right. Or just right. this drunk. And so now I'm just like this person, like, what's my purpose in this life, you know? And, you know, just like anything, it's not going to just come to you all of a sudden, you know, you have to work for it and brainstorm and, and talk to people and um, try different things. You know, my yeah. son is, he's now nine. We've, he's done dancing. He's done MMA, he's done soccer, basketball, painting, you know, we expose him to everything and he can choose. So I started trying different things, but it was like, eh, I don't know. That's eh, not for me. That's not for me. And, you know, my wife is my biggest supporter, you know, tough love or just, 
you know, great advice, you know, one spectrum to the other. She sends me podcasts. She sends me, you know, links to articles or you need to listen to this, watch this video. Um, she's been doing that all along. So that's been very, very helpful, but I still had that void. I still needed to do something. And then um, when I found running, that was it. It kind of lit my fire, you know, walking distance. Like I, I walked like 12 miles. We came back to Arizona and I walked like 12 miles with my son when he was like one years old, like 10 months old. And I, I think that planted the seed that kind of got me going, but um, it, it wasn't enough just moving quicker uh it definitely really lit that fire it was there i just needed to stoke it yeah and it is i so appreciate that you said that too that you have to put the energy into it you have to go out and try things and talk to people and be willing you know it's something that we talk about a lot in early recovery especially is it, it, the transition of you know going from all your drinking friends to like, well, what do I do now? You know, do I lose all my friends and have to get new friends? Like, what does that look like? And I always say, I'm like, well, I mean, you kind of have to make that choice, but understand that like a bus load of sober people, a bus isn't just going to show up at your door full of sober people and go, Hey, we want to be your friend. You know, it's like, you have to go somewhere where sober people are and say hi and meet people and be a part of it. If you want a full life, you have to build that. Yeah, it's it's about choices. Um, when I moved back in 2009 to Boston, the second day I was here, I'm like, I'm just going to go for a cruise around. I, I lived here for 34 years of my life. I'm going to go for a cruise around and see what's changed and just, you know, whatever. It's just like going for a ride. A lot of time I was drinking and smoking this time with a clear head and like, all right, this is cool. I saw my friends. They're, they're on my friend's front lawn on a main road, Saturday morning, 9, 930 in the morning. And they each have a Budweiser in their hands and they're smoking a cigarette and smoking, smoking a bowl. And so like I drove by, I'm like, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. And I hear Henry. Oh my God, it's Henry. And they knew I moved away. So they thought maybe I was just back for vacation or something like that. So I'm like, all right, they saw me. So I went back there and pulled over the car. I was like, Hey guy, it's so good to see you. You know, you want a beer? I'm like, no, you know, I don't, I don't drink anymore. So here's the story. I, I literally, uh, you know, hit my rock bottom and I, I can't drink anymore. All as aspects of my life are suffering. I was in in, um, in urgent care five different times. I almost got divorced, I got arrested, blah, 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 blah. I went to treatment. I'm done. I'm never going to drink again. I can't drink anymore. And like, you want to smoke a little bit? I'm like, I can't do anything anymore. I, I just have no desire, you know, but I went through treatment. I And uh, whatever guy, you know, and that's just the way they talked. And Two minutes later, they're passing me the bowl again. I'm like, I, I, I just, I can't. Like, well, I'll just have one beer. I'm like, I can't have one beer. One beer is too many and 200 is not enough. If I have a beer, I'm going to get divorced. I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to spend the day here. Then I'm going to take off. I'm going to get divorced. I'm going to get arrested. It's not worth it. I have a different life now. Um, you guys continue doing what you want to do. And then at least one or two more times, they asked me again or just went to pass it to me or something. You know, I'm like, I'm done. So that was kind of the last time I I've, I bumped into him, you know, every now and then at, at my friend's garage mechanic and, you know, in the convenience store or something like that. But I knew that they were still doing the same things, if not worse. And I couldn't really hang around with them like I used to. That was the crowd I used to run with. Um, and then I found uh, some new friends, just people that were sober, people that um, I didn't hang around with before. Like I would not go out to eat with. So like if someone said, hey, do you want to go to Panera Bread for lunch or 
nah, nah, I don't feel like it. They don't, they don't serve beer. You know, when I was actively drinking, you want to go to a bar or you want to go to a restaurant that serves beer, then you're talking. Um, but I started hanging out with people just, Hey, you want to go get a, want to go get a coffee? You want to go meet at Starbucks or something like that? That sounds good. That's what I do now. So I found a few friends that do that. And then when I did find running, I did that 8k in, in Corning, New York. Um, I asked my friend if I could use his computer. We went back and he said, what for, you know, to change, to check your fantasy football team or base baseball team. I'm like, um, yeah, that, that, but I want to also see if there's any road races back in Waltham, Massachusetts, where I'm living. And, uh, you know, I Googled it and I, I found there was a race the next weekend. So, um, I asked my wife, Alejandra, I said, do you think I could race the, uh, the St. Jude's 5k? Say, you kidding me? You could barely walk. I have a feeling I'll be able to recover. It's a week later and stuff. Why don't you see how you feel? Why don't you go to the doctors and see, you know, she wanted me to get a checkup, you know, just to make sure there's okay. My heart was okay. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm sure I recover pretty quickly. I'll be okay. And so um, she's like, you can sign up if you want to. And I did. And when I went there, I found that there were people just like me, people that were in recovery, people I went to high school with that I couldn't stand. Um, some that I just didn't talk to that I knew and stuff, but uh, yeah. And then people that found running later in their life, people that lost a significant amount of weight, people that were suffering from depression and, you know, this society where I caused a lot of damage to property chased by the cops, arrested by the cops, uh, you know, really ruined my reputation and relationships accepted me with open arms for whoever I, who I was you know, not who I was in the past, but who I was right now. And um, that was pretty cool. And, and I exchanged numbers and, hey, you on Facebook. And and so we exchanged um, information and made new connections, reconnected with people. And then I had a, all of a sudden, like literally all of a sudden, hey, we're going for a run next weekend. Actually, there's a, there's a four mile next weekend, sorry, but I'm going to run on Wednesday. You want to go for a little training run or something like that? Maybe we'll preview the course okay, sounds good. You know, I, I started making like running friends and do, do training runs with them and then see at the races. And, you know, I had a whole new circle of friends and it was so cool. You know, I had, a, um, I had that fire. Yeah. I had a new outlook on life and something to look forward to. It's so beautiful I, to have a tribe like that too, of like-minded people. Like there is no better feeling than being in a group of people that are just like you, you know, and not in every way, obviously, but, but that you have that thing in common that you know about, that you're passionate about, that you love being a part of. I mean, it's priceless. Everybody runs for different reasons, right? I have, I have many different reasons. A lot of people do, um, which is pretty cool too. Uh, you know, so we share each other's stories and we try to help each other and um, and then motivate each other too. There's an accountability thing. And yeah, we have all this, this commonality. We, we love to run. We love the benefits of running, how yeah. it makes it feel, how it makes us feel. So how do you balance all of this running with being a father, being a husband? I'm assuming there's a job somewhere in there. <laughs> like, yeah, how yeah. do you balance it all with life? Uh, I wake up most mornings at four o'clock in the morning. Um, and I try to run before my son has to go to school before my wife gets up today. We had, you know, track on Wednesdays. Um, so I was at the track at four 30 in the morning and then finished up by six, came home, got my son ready for school, got him up and made breakfast for everybody, dropped him off and went about my day. 
Um, yeah, most of the things I pick and choose my events. I'll do like three or four or five races a year. And I do a lot of fundraising on my own. Um, so I try to pick and choose my battles there. And, you know, sometimes they're two weeks apart. It seems like they come in numbers. And then, you know, for a month or two, I kind of just do training and, and stuff. And I always remember that family's first. And if it does become too much of an obsession, my wife's the first one to point that out to me. <laughs> um, you know, if I'm doing too much, but yeah, no, I try to run when it doesn't affect family time right now. I'm, I'm between jobs. I'm not currently working, but I'm a chef by trade. And, you know, when you're working 40, 50 hours a week, you have to find time to do it. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, no, I, we, I do like Monday, I do a Monday night run, uh, Wednesday morning. And if I can get an afternoon run in, like my son is taking Spanish. Um, he has, he goes to a, a bilingual school, but our niece in Mexico, kind of gives them a little bit of tutoring on Tuesday afternoons from five to six. So my wife's there with the computer. So I get an hour to escape with the dog and, you know, I just kind of figure it out. And then Saturday and Sunday mornings, I usually do long runs and, you know, we'll get up three o'clock in the morning on the weekends uh, during the summer because it's still 95, hundred degrees out here in Arizona. Um, and, and, you know, I, I run for whatever time. It's not like, Hey, I have to get 20 miles in today. I have four hours. I have three hours or I have six hours to run. You know, and then I have to get back because family is important. I have a responsibility here and uh, family is always first. And that's my priority. So you mentioned you were back in Arizona. I was going to ask you that you're not in Massachusetts anymore. You're in Arizona now. That's correct. Yeah. So in, in uh, 2016, I came out from Boston and we came out for my first hundred miler, which is called the Havelina 100. It's uh, the Saturday before Halloween and ran that, finished that. And you know, I came back for that. I really, my heart was here. My heart was in Arizona. We were kind of tired of long, cold winters out there, people's attitudes. And it was time, it was time to move back. And uh, so we made arrangements the following year in May of 2017. I came out to look for work, get my son in kindergarten and find an apartment. So I did all that. And then we went back and tied up loose ends and saw the movers off and drove across the country. So I've been out here since then. And I'm, I love it. It's, I mean, Boston will always be home and always my heart will be there too, but this is, uh, this is where I want to be right now. Yeah. Now talk about some of the fundraising things that you do. Uh, okay. So, um, <laughs> I went back to where it all started in February of 2017. And I did a 12 hour treadmillathon at our friend's gym in Corning, New York, where I started my running career. Did I see that 66 hours? Is that what it said? That was a different one. That okay. was this, that was this year. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to that. So, you know, I started with, started with 12, nothing, you know, nothing too crazy. Right. Um, and, you know, raised $2,000 or so for a, for a foundation called Runwell. And um, then I did my first Boston Marathon quad two weeks before the actual marathon because I didn't qualify for Boston yet. So the Boston Marathon quad is the marathon course, the historic Boston Marathon course that I grew up watching year after year, year after year, uh, four consecutive times. So I started at the finish line and I go to the start line. I turn around, go to the finish line and go to the start line and go to the finish line. Um, I just completed that. I guess it's probably been four weeks for the fifth time, the fifth year in a row. Um, so I've done five Boston Marathon quads. I've done three Mesa Marathon quads. So Mesa, Arizona, that's out here. I decided to start the tradition out here. 
Uh, I did two 24 hour desert runs in the middle of the summer and one of them, the average temperature was 114, 115 degrees. That was a little tough. Uh, let's see. I did a 24 hour treadmill event and I did one last February called Satan sidewalk, which is called the Satan sidewalk for a reason, because it's a treadmill. It was a treadmill event that uh, for 66.6 hours. So basically like three and a half days on a treadmill and I logged 204 miles and ended up getting the most miles. Wait, um, and you never stopped that whole, like you have to stop. No, I, no, I mean, it's just how many miles you get in in that period of time. Right. So when you tell the race director, Hey, I'm starting on February 1st at midnight, then when you on February 4th at whatever, 1238 in the morning, uh, that's when your time stops. So you could get one mile, you can get 20 miles, hundred miles, 204 miles, whatever you log okay. officially between that. So yeah, I ended up, it was a mile away from my house. So I ended up coming home for like six, seven hours, shower, spend a little time with the family, sleep for like four or five hours, get up, take another shower, drink some coffee and come back and start running again. Okay. So, I ran so for it's like, not like, okay. It's yeah, not like you're on and like, you're there that whole time and can't no, leave. But like 14, I could have, but 14, 16 hours running a day, that's enough. You know, you, your body needs to rest and recover because, you know, by the third day, you probably wouldn't be running that much. You'd probably be pretty hurting. So, uh, you know, just getting off my feet, closing my eyes and seeing my family and stuff and then coming back and, and doing day after day. It, it, it was a pretty good approach, but. You know, so when you do something like that, people are like, oh, I can't run 20 minutes or two miles on the treadmill. Of course you can if you want to. You have to get in a special place in your mind. And, you know, again, there's another direct correlation between running and recovery in life. You know, it, it, I had no place to go. Like, how you doing? I'm like, going nowhere fast. I got no place to be. I don't have to worry about email. I don't have to worry anything. I just have to worry about what I'm doing right now. How are you going to feel tomorrow? Like, I have no idea how I'm going to feel tomorrow. But right now I feel okay you know, on mile two or mile four or whatever, how are how, how you going to feel later on in the day? No idea. But all I know is right now I feel okay. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep staying in this, this moment, you know, so many things can change. So many things mm -hmm. can change in life and, and, you know, in ultra marathons and distance running, uh, we create these scenarios in our head and it's all negative clutter, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Oh, I wonder what, I wonder what's going to happen or this is the job for me. And you just, you know, I wonder how the meeting is going to go at work. Oh, I'm worried about that. The meeting may never happen, right? Mm -hmm. It may never, may, may, may get canceled or, you know, or changed to a different day, you know, just worry about what you're doing right now. Stop thinking about, you know, the future like that. It's just, uh, it's distracting, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I just kind of stayed in the moment and I had people with me the whole time. One of my buddies, Tommy, stayed with me the whole time. I had friends and family that came and it was at my friend's uh, MMA gym. And so there was classes, adult classes, kids classes in between personal training, uh, going at all times. We had music on. So I had like this big television screen of, of things going on in front of me. And the time went by pretty quick. I, I never hit any dark spots. You know, a lot of times in ultra running, we do, we hit these, these patches where it's just like, I'm so tired. My feet hurt. I hate this. I don't want to run anymore. I want to quit. I never had that at all. Um, I had tacos for breakfast every day. Uh, we had cannolis, pizza, Reuben sandwich, <laughs> you know, I kind of live like a king. It was really, really, really cool events that we, you know, the media has gotten wind of most of my events and, and that, that is, that's pretty cool too. I, I get to share my story, my story with the world. Um, you know, running has kind of given me a platform 
to share my story of hope that, you know, we can recover, we can, we can thrive and we can, we can succeed. There's life after life after addiction. Amen to that. Okay. This is final question. Favorite question. My favorite question. (laughs) What is your favorite thing about being a sober person? Favorite thing about being a sober person. It's allowed me to be a dad to my Mm -hmm. son. My son's a miracle. Like I wouldn't be married if I, if I wasn't sober, therefore I wouldn't have had my, my child. That's probably, that's probably it. You know, I got an, I got a new, new, new chance to do um, a new life. It's about having a new life. I, all that. Okay. So here's another thing too, is all that madness that I used to, I used to think like, how much can I drink today? I'd spend the day at work or, you know, my wife's, what time my wife coming home, how much time, how much money I create all these things, you know, I I can probably get, if I go to the store and get $20 cash back, I can get a six pack, a few fillers of beer and maybe a little bit of rum and, oh, I need cigarettes too. All right. So I'd start thinking about how much time and how much you could drink every day. All that when I, when I finally gave up, my way wasn't work. I finally went to treatment and, and quit all that madness, all those, all that thinking about how much I could drink went away. And so it opened up like a whole different part of my brain and stuff like that yeah. I could use for other things. Right. I wasn't distracted all the time. I didn't realize how much I thought about it. Uh, it's until after crazy. I, quit. I don't, I don't think you do until, until you're living the other way. Right. Like I always say, I didn't realize how screwed up my thinking was because it was the only thinking I ever had. You know, I didn't realize how messed up it was until I was living a different way and looking back and going, oh my gosh, like it really kind of consumed my life in, I was either planning it, thinking about it, doing it or Or recovering from it. (laughs) I was always in one of those, but everything just sort of revolved around it. It, like if you're like, I was at a pretty toxic environment at work too, like at, at a job and I was there and it was like, almost like I, I felt stuck. I had no way out. It was kind of like a, like an addiction thing or an abuse thing. Um, I didn't know any better. This is just what, it, what I, what I was in the present is what I thought all jobs were like. I was just kind of brainwashed on and I didn't realize how bad it was there until I got out, mm-hmm. how toxic it was, how bad it was. And, and then, you know, so I had this clarity, you know, in sobriety and this clarity after getting out of that, that, that job. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, Henry, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. Um, what an incredible thing to find and to be able to fill that void in your life. You know, it's so important to have something that is special to us. And sometimes it feels difficult to find that thing. So thank you for sharing your journey with us. Thank you for allowing me to share my journey. I appreciate it. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. Candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.